Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says to the church. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I want to say how good it is to preach to you all live this morning. It's been a long time since I preached a live sermon. But right now, at the same time, the the word's being preached, it's being heard. At the same time, that's closer to how it's meant to be. And I'm grateful for that. Before we look at our text together, I'd like to describe to you part of the story of one church. It's a city church. It was planted about 15 years ago. This is a church that has a vision for evangelism and mercy. Their senior pastor used to be a lawyer. And from the time it was planted until now, it's grown to well over 500. However... Because of recent circumstances, this church has been holding worship services online. It's been doing that for some time now. They're not gathering in person, and it's a hard time. And there is no sign that things are going to change anytime soon. The church that I have in mind is called Early Rain Covenant Church in Chengdu in China. And they've been having services online actually for a very long time, and not because of COVID. That's not what caused it. What caused it was persecution. One commentator has called this time in China the worst persecution since the Cultural Revolution in the 1970s. I'd like to read to you part of a report from The Voice of the Martyrs. On December 9th, 2018, police in Chengdu carried out a massive raid against early rain, shutting down the church-operated school, the seminary, the church's main site. In a span of three days, authorities arrested more than 100 congregation members, and their senior pastor is currently serving a nine-year sentence for inciting subversion of state power. 2018 
That was two years ago. And they've been doing ministry online from then to now. Now, we haven't had the police raid our building. Our senior pastor is not in prison. Our members are not harassed by the authorities. But we have this in common. It feels like everything has ground to a halt at Grace Toronto. Grace Downtown, Grace West. There are powers outside of us that we can't control that have put a stop to everything that we've been working on. And the trees are barren. The ground is frozen. Tomorrow, we begin a lockdown again. We used to be a movement We saw growth happen at this church. We were building something together, and now what? What's happening now? What are you a part of in this church now? And that's a fair question. It's a question that many of you are asking. It's a question that I'm asking. And I don't know, but I I can imagine our sister church in Chengdu has had to spend a lot of time wrestling with that question as well. This morning, what I want to do is simply bring that question to this text in front of us. What is happening when it seems like nothing is happening? This is what God is saying to you in this text. What we learn here is that even when it seems like nothing is happening, The kingdom of God is growing, and it's growing like a seed in the ground. Two things we're going to see in these two parables. We're going to see, first, the seed has a mysterious power. And second, the seed has a glorious end. First, the seed has a mysterious power. Starting in verse 26. This is a parable about the kingdom of God. That's how Jesus introduces it. Those words, the kingdom of God, they're actually the first words out of Jesus' mouth in Mark's gospel. Back in chapter 1, Jesus said this, his first preached words to a crowd, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And what you find after that in Mark's gospel is scene after scene, Jesus heals people with diseases, all kinds of diseases. He casts out demons. He teaches the truth. He separates hypocrisy from true religion. He calls the moral outcast to follow him and be his disciple. And those episodes all show you what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom is the reign of God breaking into the world in Jesus Christ himself. And now what we have in chapter 4 is a string of parables where Jesus is teaching how the kingdom grows. And we're looking at two of these parables. The first one, starting in verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus says, 
And what would you expect him to say? The kingdom of God is like, it's like Buckingham Palace. The kingdom of God is like Handel's Messiah. No, the kingdom of God is actually like a man wearing overalls who walks into a field and puts his hand into a bag of seed and throws it out. That's what the kingdom's like, Jesus says. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. I remember one Halloween when I was growing up in Markham. We, we carved pumpkins leading up to Halloween, of course. Of course we did. And I have three siblings, so we had four pumpkins to carve. So we planned the designs. We, we cut open the tops. And one of the things about carving pumpkins is that you've got you to take all the insides out. It's, it's full of slime and seeds. So what do you do with all that? Well, we scooped it out, got our hands in there, scooped it out, the seeds, the slime, and we threw it out in the compost in the backyard because we're in the suburbs, lots of space in the back. So we dumped the seeds uh, and the slime back there and we finished carving the pumpkins and we put our English word automatic from that. The seed has automatic power That does not depend on the farmer. It's a mysterious power. It's mysterious because the farmer doesn't understand it. He doesn't know what causes the seed to sprout and grow and spring up. He doesn't understand it, but he trusts it. He knows that's how this works. I throw the seeds out, the plants come up. That's what happens. The farmer is not anxious He's not exhausting himself. He's not like pouring through volumes and books to study how to do this right. He doesn't build irrigation. Nothing. Nothing like that. His role is the total opposite of complicated and difficult. He just scatters the seeds and they grow without him by their own mysterious power. I think we're very interested in power as individuals, as a, as a culture, as a whole. I think you have certain things in your life that you want to grow, and you throw your power behind that thing, whatever it is. Think of the energy that you put into your education, many of you. I know many of you were not just getting by in school. You know, you were pushing for top marks to get into that program and you got into the program and then you pushed through the program and then you got that job and in your career you push it forward. Now there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, of course. Healthy ambition is a good thing. It's a very good thing. But when it comes to the kingdom, the kingdom of God, it runs on different rules doesn't run that way. This is what God's word is saying to you. The kingdom of God does not grow by your power, by your pushing, by your ambition. It doesn't. Now some of you are thinking at this point, now wait a minute. 
I do things in the church for the kingdom. And there is a connection between the things I do and the things that happen. And I don't just do things, I, I try hard to do things. And they go better when I, when I try hard. We experience that, many of us. That's true. And I know many ambitious people in our church community. And you, 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 you push in your career, you work hard, you excel, and you bring that same ethic, that same work, to the things that you do in the church and for the kingdom. You're ambitious. But there was no one more ambitious than the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he said. This is in 1 Corinthians. Who is Apollos? Who's Paul? Servants through whom you believed. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. If you're someone who does any kind of word ministry, if you sow seeds, if you sow seeds in your small group, in your family, in your campus, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your friend group, if you're someone who has expectations and vision and hopes and you long for growth, I want to speak to you, my friend. This is a hard time we're in. You have been working hard, maybe for years. And you have a picture in your mind of the kind of growth that you want to see. And we are going into a lockdown tomorrow, again. And it's a hard time because all of your work's in question. It may be that you saw some results and they're unraveling or just everything is put on hold and there's no indication when it's going to change. Nothing's going forward. And you love the kingdom and you want to see it grow. You want to see it grow forward. Now I want to ask, is it possible that you've assumed a role for yourself bigger than the role God gave you? Is it possible that you've taken onto yourself responsibilities that are God's responsibilities? If you have, I have good news for you. The kingdom of God is so great and so important that God takes full responsibility for its growth. God does not rest the kingdom weight upon human beings. He doesn't doesn't rest it on your shoulders. That's too heavy. That's not good for you. you. You can't handle that responsibility, actually. It's too much. Your calling in the kingdom is a very humble calling. It's a modest calling. So when you sow seeds in your family, in your small group, in your friendships, you trust God. And you trust the seed to do what seeds do. Even when the ground looks frozen over 
you trust. And you remember where all of this is going. Second point, the seed has a glorious end. We're going to look here at the second parable, the mustard seed. A single grain of mustard seed grows into the greatest, largest plant in the garden. The kingdom grows like that, Jesus says. The focus here in this parable is on the small, small beginning and the great end. The thing about small beginnings is we usually don't notice them. Nobody noticed in the day in 1976 when two guys, both named Steve, were working in a garage playing around with circuit boards in Silicon Valley. No one noticed. It was a small beginning. The same thing with the kingdom of God. It has a small beginning. It's like a single grain. It's like a harmless, puny seed. Not just any seed. It's the smallest seed. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's how it began. A small, weak thing. Now you might think this is an acute image. It's actually one of the hard sayings of Jesus. Because we live in a world with urgent problems, don't we? Sometimes we forget that, but we know this. We live in a, a world that is a place of gross injustice and violence. And if you think of the last century in our human history, has witnessed residential schools in Canada and the Armenian genocide and the atomic bomb. And this is how God begins his rescue plan for the world. It's one seed, the smallest seed. It's absurd. It's even upsetting. I mean, given the urgency of the world's problems, how can God justify starting that small and going that slowly? We should want God to, we should want this parable to say, the kingdom of God is like a bolt of lightning. It's, it's overpowering. It's commanding. It, it's like Alexander the Great and his armies roll across Asia and they're unstoppable. No one can stand in their way. We want, we want shock and awe. We should want a, a global blitzkrieg. God's forces overrun every, every wicked enemy of his, every oppressor, every rival power defeated at an instant. That's what we want. That's what the Jews listening to Jesus wanted. But Jesus says this is how it starts. One seed. And there's nothing impressive. There's nothing threatening about it. You probably overlook it. There was nothing impressive about Jesus himself. One time a group of people asked Jesus when the kingdom of God was going to come. And Jesus said this to them. He said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. Behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. You see, in that crowd 
was Jesus himself. The kingdom of God was in their midst because the king was in their midst. The prophet Isaiah looked ahead to the coming of the king. He wrote this, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus was born in a backwater town of a conquered colony. It was a forgotten place on the fringe of the Roman Empire. And he grew up for 30 years in Nazareth, a poor town. He grew up in a small, poor family. At age 33, he began a public ministry. He taught crowds and he did some amazing things. He gathered followers for a couple of years, but then he's charged with sedition and condemned, led outside Jerusalem, hung up on the cross, and people laughed at him while he died. He was just one of many thousands who died that way. If a seed is not planted in the ground, it will stay a seed, nothing happens. But if it's planted, if it dies, that's the beginning of life, new life. The kingdom of God came to earth in Jesus Christ and those who had power hated him and resisted him. But when they killed him, the kingdom of God was buried in the ground. And three days later, this seed began to send out shoots and push up the leaf and grow. From the resurrection to this day, it has not stopped growing. In general, the world pays no attention to the kingdom because human eyes look at power and force, aggression. That's where we expect growth. That's where we look for growth. But the kingdom runs on different rules. Jesus reminds us in this parable that God is determined to grow his kingdom through weakness and through foolishness. Like a little plant growing. And very often, for this reason, we do not know what God is doing as God's people. Nobody knew what God was doing as Jesus lay in the ground the day after Good Friday. Nobody imagined that Jesus had just died for the forgiveness of their sins. They had no idea that Jesus was soon to rise up to new life and give them new life. The Christians in China in the 1970s did not know what God was doing under the most vicious persecution of the Communist Party. They had no idea that God was going to grow their church from 2 million in 1970 
to estimates, say, over 100 million believers in Jesus Christ today. 100 million. And the Communist Party has to deal with a church that is not afraid anymore because it was forged in the furnace of persecution and it is hard as iron and they have a strength that we in the West can only admire and we don't know in our time right now in Toronto we don't know what God is doing when we start a new lockdown tomorrow but we know this that God's kingdom grows through foolishness and through weakness. And it's often hidden from our sight, the growth of the kingdom. But Jesus is certain, and he means for you to have this certain confidence that the kingdom of God, though it be hidden now, will not stay hidden. There is coming a day when the kingdom will be revealed and all eyes will see the beauty, the glory, the splendor of what began as a small seed and has grown to the greatest, the greatest plant in the garden in its beauty. God's kingdom grows for now like a little plant and it's our part to trust, to trust and to wait to take courage and to listen to God's promise. Listen to this from Isaiah 61. As the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the glorious end of the kingdom of God. This is what you're part of. Take heart and wait upon the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, you look upon us in our weakness, in our need for encouragement, And in your providence, Father, you have given us this text on the day before a new lockdown, and we are thankful. We're thankful for your goodness to us. We're thankful that you care for us as a father cares for his children. Encourage our hearts. Father, put courage in our hearts and perseverance. We trust you that you are growing your kingdom even now and all of this is leading to a glorious day when the kingdom is revealed at the last and we will praise you and glory in you and bask in your radiance we look forward to that day father we thank you in Jesus Christ's name amen Well, at this time, we have uh, a few moments for Q&A, and I've never done this from a phone before, so I'll uh, ask you to bear with me here. Okay, let's see. I see a couple of questions here. Here's one. 
As someone new to the faith, I'm wondering what specifically it means to sow a seed. Is it preaching the gospel, helping others, following what we feel the Holy Spirit is leading us to? That's a great question. And thank you for um, improving my um, uh, words to you this morning with some, some more specificity. So Jesus says um, in the same chapter, uh, chapter 4 of Mark's gospel, in the text we heard last week, um, Jesus says he's talking about a parable with a sower who sows out seed. And when he interprets that parable for his followers, he says the seed is the word of God. And so sowing the seed is sowing the word of God, specifically. Uh, It's a message. It is gospel. It's good news. That word, uh, which, which we often think about as it could be summarized like God loves you or like Jesus died for your sins. Um, Those are, those are true. Those are true. And, and, uh, an original hearer of, of that, of that word gospel, evangelion, um, understood the meaning of that. It meant national news. It meant, it meant news that had, um, a global, significance. When, when there was a new king, say, the gospel went out. Um, national news. National news that, that affects everything, that affects life today. And so the seed that is sown, the seed that is scattered out in, in all kinds of ways, uh, is that message of the gospel, the reign of God through Jesus Christ, breaking into the world. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's all kinds of ways that, that that seed gets sown. It gets sown um, as small groups gather, and the word is sown into the hearts of, of those who gather in a small group. It happens right now as, as, as the word is preached in the sermon. Jesus has died and risen, and this has cosmic significance. Um, the word goes out over podcasts and, and, and blog posts and in conversations over the kitchen table. Uh, the word is sown in all those kinds of ways. Um, and, and in family devotions and campus ministry and in, in a thousand ways, uh, the word is sown. Thank you for the question. Okay, I, let's see. I'll, let's do another one. I should acknowledge, I'm, I won't have time to do all of these. I tend to be long-winded in my answers. I'm sorry for that. Okay. Uh, okay, let's, one that I missed. Um, could we compare our seeds by spreading the gospel to John the Baptist preparing the way for the coming of Jesus? Could we say that the Holy Spirit is one of the seeds that Jesus is planting in us for growing his kingdom for a forthcoming Let's see. Hmm. There's a number of things in this question. I'm wondering how to start. I mean, John the Baptist, I would say, so Mark's gospel begins with John the Baptist, right? And I would say that John the Baptist has a unique role in the history of redemption 
um, as the, the herald, uh, a sort of kooky, um, oddly dressed royal herald uh, who was preparing the way for the, for the coming of the king. Um, for ourselves, sowing the seed of, of the kingdom, I, I, would, I would look to the way that that happened in the book of Acts, uh, the way that that, that happens through the, those we read about in um, the book of Acts, so we, we see it in Paul's ministry, uh, those, who, those who take the news that has become more specific, more clear in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, which that, that kind of clarity wasn't, um, wasn't the same for John the Baptist. The message hasn't changed. God reigns, um, and his reign is breaking into the world. That's the same message that we carry on, and, and for us it's become more clear, more specific in, in, in what Jesus Christ did in his life and his dying and his rising. Let's see, I'll, I'll do one more question here. I I'm, I'm apologize to those that I won't, I won't get to. Okay, short question. This, this is right on point. How can we see this lockdown as a grace from God with room for growth? It's a great question. And yeah, that this is, the, the, yeah. I mean, I, I was saying towards the end of the sermon um, the growth of the kingdom is like that, that small plant, that small seed growing. And it is a growth that in our, in our humanity, in our finitude, in our in our, in our we ha- it is easy for us to not see. Uh, it's, it's easy for us to not notice the growth that is happening. And it, it, it's, it can be very difficult to even imagine what, what good is coming out of this. Because if we could know clearly, if we could understand, ah, yes, this is why this, is, this um, has, bef- has come upon us. This, ah, yes, this is why the lockdown if we had that kind of confidence, that kind of exact knowledge about the why and wherefore of God's plan, we wouldn't need to walk by faith. We could simply walk by the understanding of our brains and we can look over God's shoulder. We can, we can read the, the notes of God's plan and see into God's mind. No, we, we're, not, we're not given that. We're not given that. Instead, what we're called to is to trust. God is certainly doing something in this time. We can take that from this parable. The kingdom of God is certainly growing. And we can imagine, we, I mean, we, we, can, we can imagine in broad strokes some things that perhaps that are happening. Perhaps we're being weaned off of our tendency to confidence in our wisdom and in our strength. 
Uh, perhaps we're being called to pray with a kind of desperation, a kind of urgency that our Western culture makes completely foreign to us. I can imagine God would be doing that in this time and other things, other things besides. Perhaps God is calling us to sow the seed more at a time when our, our, our culture is, is desperately short of, of good news. Right, we have, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I, th- I think that's a really good um, question to, to end on and I'd, I'd like to end with those, with those comments in response. Thank you for the questions and at this point, I'd like to invite Tarek to lead us in the prayer of response.